in business, relationships matter. We all know this, right? If you want to get a job, who you know matters. You want to build a partnership, who you know matters. But if this is the case, why is there no great software to manage this whole process? Well, there is as of now. It's called PrimeFlow. PrimeFlow helps you build a relationship-driven business and even allows you to build a whole agency around your network. With PrimeFlow, you're able to connect multiple parties like clients and partners. You're able to organize high-quality prospects at scale who could potentially be business partners in the future and once people do business with each other that you've connected you can then get your fee through PrimeFlow. in a world dominated by excel and old crms products like PrimeFlow are a godsend so thank you so much PrimeFlow, for sponsoring this episode of forward thinking founders if you want to build a relationship driven business and build an agency around your network you need PrimeFlow. go to primeflow.com or just email me matt at mattsherman.com or dm me on twitter if you want to skip the wait list and get access immediately that's primeflow.com or email me at matt at mattsherman.com or dm me on twitter primeflow.com build a relationship driven business All right, let's get into the episode. What is going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders. I am very grateful to have your attention, at least for the next 15 minutes of this episode. Forward Thinking Founders is a podcast where I interview pre-seed and seed stage founders about their products, what they want to build into the world, and why. We dive into how they spend their time, what's their vision, what's the origin stories, all these things, so you can learn all about what's coming tomorrow. Because these companies haven't hit critical scale yet. Most of them haven't hit product market fit. These are just early stage companies, and the big question is, what can this be? And in this podcast, we bring that out. So with that, I really hope you enjoy your time listening to today's episode. And I've already done 200 plus, so if you like this one, listen to some of the other ones, like with Imadi Kuhn, Austin Allred, Leah Culver. We have great interviews, so check it out. Enjoy the repository, and for now, let's get into today's episode. Here we go. All right, how's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders, where we talk to founders about their companies, their visions for the future, and how the two collide. Today, I'm very excited to be talking to Justin Mitchell, who's the founder of Yak. Welcome to the show. How's it going? It's going good, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming on to the podcast. Looking forward to learning more about Yak. People that don't know uh, what you're working on, can you share what Yak is? Yeah, Yak is an audio messaging platform for remote teams. So we started as kind of real-time voice channels, sort of like Discord might have. And then we found that that was really distracting and annoying throughout the day. And uh, it was kind of an invasion of privacy. It interrupted you. It kind of broke your flow. And so we pivoted entirely to asynchronous voice messages. And when we think about voice messages, we also think about what you might attach to a voice message. So that includes things like a screen share or a photo or a file. So it's voice plus kind of like content. Context plus content is what we talk about a lot at Yak. So let's kind of um, visualize, uh, you know, for people that are listening, what the user experience is for someone that uses Yak. So let's say I downloaded the app just now. Can you kind of walk me through my user experience, what I'm able to do on it, how it works for for people that are listening? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, just like we're on a Zoom call right now, the kind of idea behind Yak is we want to have these types of conversations, but without all the scheduling and meetings and real-time kind of synchronous communication that's required for something like this. Especially with a remote team, you have to have everybody get online all at the same time and all talk for an hour. And sometimes not everybody gets to talk. Sometimes they were being pulled out of something they wanted to do. Sometimes it runs up against another meeting and now they're late for that meeting. So we wanted to find a way to have that kind of rich 
voice communication that you have on a meeting, but without all the downsides of a meeting. So when you get into Yak for the first time, you're one click away from just recording your voice and sending that off to somebody. Now you could record your screen, you can kind of talk over a design or a file. We've had lots of proposals in our design agency that my co-founder Jordan would actually pull up a PDF on his end, he'd show it to me, and then I'd pull the PDF on, on my end and I'd walk through and redline things that I thought we should remove or edit, right? So I'm talking over this just like I would on a meeting, but it's a recorded audio that I'm sending over. Now we do have transcription as well. So that means that in places where maybe you can't hear the audio because it's loud or you don't have headphones, you can still actually read what I actually said because of the transcription. And we always think of transcript as kind of like a cheat code. It's there to give you an idea, a preview of what the message is about, let you know if it's very urgent that you need to get to it right now. And it's not really meant to replace listening to the message because one of the benefits of voice is tone and emotion, relationship building, all these things that you get in an office environment. You know, we built this pre-COVID, right? So we were kind of promoting this idea of remote work. And one of the biggest disadvantages that you have is you kind of lack that personal relationship building with people. And so I get into the app and one click, I can start recording a message. You know, we started at limiting that to 30 seconds, starting up to 15 minutes because people kept sending longer and longer yaks. And that's what we call them, yaks. You can yak one another. Um, and so you're sending a recording of your voice. You can create groups, you can create threads, you can uh, broadcast messages. This morning I told our entire team about a new system we're gonna have for GitHub issues. I just selected everybody on my team, recorded about two minutes of what the new system's gonna be like, and I said, hey, if you guys have questions, feel free to yak me back. And that's kind of what the experience is like. We have desktop and mobile apps. Uh, the desktop obviously enables things like screen sharing, where the mobile apps enable something like video recording. So the, the, it's kind of like a, a slight shift into, like, I feel like what, what when, when I first downloaded it, it almost felt like natural. Like this is how almost work should be. It's almost like walkie talkie style-ish. I'm curious, when you kind of talk to people about, about Yak, um, how do you, and they're like working, working with something else, whether it's like Slack or whatever, or this app, um, how do you kind of communicate people, um, communicate Yak to, to people in a way that gets them to try it? I think it's one of these things, at least for me, where I, I, I kind of got out like a great, like asynchronous oh, audio, but like, then I downloaded it and I'm like, oh, this is pretty nifty. Um, how do you get people over that hump to download it and then kind of get them to that, um, uh, like that holy grail of a product feel? Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's, that's been the challenge, right? So the biggest challenge that we've seen is not, I don't think that this is a good idea or I have no interest in using this. Most of the challenge is actually, if I tell my team we're going to start using a new tool, they're going to kill me. And so part of that has been figuring out ways to kind of bring that moment of delight earlier on in the process. Um, one thing that we found is that if a couple team members have a great individual experience on the app outside of their team, it's very easy for them to say, okay, now this makes perfect sense to get this going kind of officially as a team tool. And so one of the things that we've started doing, you know, I think you talked about this before we even hopped on the recording, was just seeing us on Twitter. And one of the big things that we've started doing recently is giving out these vanity URLs. So like mine is yak.com slash jmitch. And even today, I had someone reply to a tweet that was nine days old from an investor who tweeted out his yak.com URL and said, hey, send me pitches here. She replied and she said, hey, this looks really cool. 
I'd love to learn more about the product. And I just said, hey, just add me on Yak. Here's my URL. And we've been talking today as a result. And that kind of like micro interaction outside of her initial kind of work group at her company is a great way to intro to the experience. But you're right. It is difficult to kind of get somebody to understand that before they download the app. So a lot of what we're doing is working on uh, different ways to kind of cut down on those friction points. How quickly can you connect to somebody? The biggest thing that we found is that experience when you want to use it with your team, but nobody else is using it yet is you as a leader, you come onto the, to the product and nobody else is in the app yet. So you have nothing to do. That's why we've been trying to basically like give everybody a good first experience by connecting them with one of us or like an investor, somebody else on Twitter, uh, you know, so they have that one-on-one experience first. And then there's that light bulb moment of, oh, wow, this works really well in a team setting as well. At what moment did you realize that Twitter was as powerful as Twitter was because like for me <laughs> I see you and your co-founders even before the the profile um like you are which I thought was genius by the way that's I think I, I saw you guys buzzing big time when you started announcing that but I've seen you and your co-founders on Twitter um you know big time um in the last I don't know six months maybe like mm-hmm, nine mm-hmm. months is this a conscious like strategy or do you guys just love Twitter? Even no, though- it's, <laughs> it's definitely a concerted effort. Uh, so, you know, we're in Florida. Uh, we're a remote team. I did not graduate from Stanford. I did not work for Stripe or Dropbox before this. So I don't have, you know, the pedigree that some of these other guys in the startup Silicon Valley world do. And so, uh, you know, we needed to raise funds and that meant we needed to be loud and proud. And part of that was just rattling cages on Twitter and being incredibly open about what we're building, why we're passionate about it, and hey, you need to come look at this. And we've actually raised all of our funds completely off of the internet. Um, The Slack round that we just did was from a LinkedIn connection. Uh, Our seed round was from a Twitter uh, DM. Our pre-seed round was actually because we launched our product on Product Hunt as part of the Makers Festival. Uh, someone downloaded that during the Makers Festival and then mentioned Adam Draper on Twitter and just said, hey, I think that you should talk to Justin about what he's building. And I got this Twitter notification. I'm like, I have no idea who you are. And I really have no idea who Adam Draper is, to be honest. Uh, you know, I'm not from that world, right? I, I live in the uh, East Coast's largest cow uh, pasture. It's not, you know, we don't have startup fundraising happening in my area, right? So we had to work extra hard to get those networked connections. And so, you know, five minutes later, I'm on the call with Adam Draper. He says, I like what you're building. Um, You know, how much money do you want? I said, well, I should probably have a pitch deck, a logo, a website, a company, you know, all these things that you have before you start talking to a VC about fundraising. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, we our our story starts on Twitter uh, with you know that first tweet to Adam Draper, this wouldn't have been a company if someone hadn't kind of like pushed us over the edge and said, "Hey, you know, you should talk to Justin." And you know, throughout that process, we learned kind of the power of just being in- incredibly proud about what we're building, talking to everybody about it. And you know, we always talk about this. I think it's like a great book title, but we talk about doing the unscalable things, right? And that means when someone says, "Hey, I have a question about Yak," um, you know, our Twitter account, like the at Yak account, replied to that and said, hey, we're here for questions. That's stupid. Nobody wants to talk to a brand, right? They want to talk to a founder. So I immediately jumped in there as a human and said, I would love to talk to you personally. Talk to me, right? And that's 15, 20, 30 minutes that I took out of my day to make sure that that happened. But that unscalable interaction that you know you, you can't just automate, that's what made the difference between her connecting with my brand or not. 
And you mentioned there um, on Twitter, you know, there's your, your, your Twitter account, you have your, your email, your, uh, not your email, your, your URL. And I kind of have to ask, yeah. it's, it's a two pronged question here. Um, the, 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 the easy question is probably why, why yak? Um, the much, much, the question I'm very intrigued to hear the answer to is how did you land all mm. the prof? How'd you land yeah. yak everywhere? Is there, is there a big story there? Is it, is, is it locked? There's like, a good story for let's, sure. Let's hear it. Yeah. Uh, you know, again, if I'm looking at what my unfair advantage is, which is kind of a Chris Saka statement, like what's your unfair advantage? You know, we come from a design agency. Our unfair advantage has been branding. We really know how to brand things well. And that comes down to marketing it, naming it, the logo, everything. There's a whole package, right? Um, and part of that branding story was um, a good name. And at the very beginning, uh, we actually called the product Yelling Across Cubicles. And so that is what YAK stands for, uh, because I wanted to give the impression of like what it would be like to kind of shout across an office and say hi to somebody or ask a question. And so yelling across cubicles was actually the original name. And we shortened that obviously to YAK. Uh, we had periods in between at the beginning. We ripped out the periods, right? There's a whole like brand evolution here. Um, I will say uh, for any listeners here, when you're naming a product, um, four letters or more is a golden standard. Why? Because Twitter doesn't actually allow you to even register a name, even if it's available, if it's four letters or less, right? So get a five letter brand because you won't have to worry about fighting with Twitter to get the handle. Uh, so we obviously have a three letter domain and handle. Uh, so for the domain, uh, yak.com, um, one of the big things we do when we're naming something is we at least check to see if the domain is being used. Not if it's available, but used. Because that's gonna make a huge difference on brand confusion. If someone's gonna come to the website, see a different website, that brand immediately goes out the window. Because not only can I not buy it, but it's actually gonna cause actual confusion when they go to yak.com. So it wasn't being used, it was just like a 500 error, it didn't go anywhere. Uh, so I actually reached out to that owner, uh, it was all like under privacy for many years, like uh, the uh, anonymous records. I actually paid for historical records, finally found out who owned the company, uh, that bought the domain, it was, I mean, from like 1994 or something ridiculous. Like it's been owned for an insanely long time. So actually the likelihood of getting this domain seemed very low. So we actually went with a domain broker. Um, I've used like GoDaddy built-in domain brokers before. They're okay. Typically they want to, you know, jack the price up so they get a good commission. Um, actually saw.com, S-A-W, saw.com reached out to me over email and I said, dude, I shockingly was looking for a domain broker. So you kind of magically read my mind. Normally this would just be spam that I'm annoyed that you emailed me, but we actually do need a domain broker. Uh, she got in touch with the domain owner very quickly um, through multiple battles over price. They actually asked if they could acquire us, um, which was shocking and confusing because I was like, I'm trying to buy something from you. That is, that is not at all what I thought was going to happen here. Um, but yeah, we actually got an incredible deal on the domain, um, had some really great conversations with them. Um, it was a purchase that we all felt, including even our lead investor, was worth it in the long run for brand recognition, um, discoverability. If I say Yak, you can go to yak.com. It's just very easy. Nobody knows that .chat domains even exist. Uh, it's not you know, normal for, you know, other people that aren't even kind of in the tech industry, but even inside of the tech industry, .chat is not a normal domain. So we really felt like that was important. Um, the Twitter handle, on the other hand, had actually been owned by just an individual for many years. He barely used it. Um, 
it was his childhood nickname. And so there was, I guess, some personal attachment to it. Uh, and I had been trying to get a hold of him for a very, very long time, finally connected with him on LinkedIn. And we'd been messaging back and forth for just an absurd amount of time before we finally came to an agreement. Uh, now, for all the listeners out there, if you ever get a hold of a three-letter Twitter handle, um, don't try and change it. Uh, so I've had many domains and Twitter handles over the years. Um, I used to be a completely different handle on Twitter. I'm now at Jay Mitch. Um, I got that handle by talking to uh, Twitter support. Uh, they basically said, yeah, you're right. This guy's not using the, the account. It hasn't been used for a very long time. We also have at so friendly for our design agency. Same thing. Nobody's logged into this account for a very long time. We're more than happy to give it to you. And what I always did is I would create basically like a dummy account with just some random username, log into the new account that I was getting, change the username, and then change the other username to the new one so that I could secure the old username so that I could at least redirect and say, hey, go visit our new account in case that was linked anywhere on the internet. And the new username would keep the follower account from the old account, but get the new username. Yeah, so I did this with at yak and then immediately lost the handle because Twitter will not even allow you to register a three-character uh, handle, even if it's available. So if you went to twitter.com slash yak, it's just like 404. It was just like a, a blank username. So it wasn't available anywhere. And then when I went to go type it into our at yak chat, uh, domain or handle, it just said can't register anything that's three letters or, or less. And I went, oh, no. I just lost our very expensive Twitter handle inside of about 30 seconds. Uh, so fortunately, we were uh, lucky enough to have some inroads to Twitter support and got them to change the handle back um, on the original account. So we lost all of our followers. Um, but you know, we still have both accounts and we tweet from both and we're slowly trying to build up the new account. If I, if I wanted to enough, I could probably contact Twitter support and say, hey, could you swap it over? But at this point, I'm just safe and sound knowing that we own the handle still. You're right. That is a great story. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and, and well, well worth it. I mean, this, we're not talking about fighting for like a seven, seven letter domain here or like, you know, I mean, I thought, so the company I started three years ago, Publoft, I thought that was great, beautiful, seven letters, 10 bucks, but like three, like three is just, just beautiful. So well, well done on that. Going back to, um, going back to the company, I'm curious, what do you what do you spend your your days on what when you're working on yak um you know you're you're the the founder you have a team um you know how do you split up your time on an average day yeah i mean i'm ceo and essentially cto because we don't have a cto um so i'm doing both kind of fundraising and top level you know, company level admin, but also actually driving the engineering and the design team at the same time. Um, I luckily have some amazing co-founders, Jordan, who kind of handles everything operations like finances and documentation and HR and things like that. And then I have Hunter, who's handling everything kind of the marketing side, um, which, you know, takes that off my plate, which is very helpful. So on my end, day to day, I'm working with our team. Um, we're either in Yak or we're in Slack. We really don't do any synchronous meetings like this. Everything's async um, because our team is spread all across the world. So we have a developer in Pakistan. We have a developer in India. We have a developer who used to be in California. We just moved him to Florida. So he's on my time zone, at least now. Uh, we have a developer or a designer in Mississippi. 
Mississippi. We have a designer in Orlando. So they're all over the place. And so, you know, it's not something that I've ever wanted to impact their personal lives by corralling them all at the same time. So my day to day is kind of ping ponging between these different conversations to assign a new UI to our designer or to check in on a new uh, feature on our desktop app or to talk to our team that's working on the mobile app and figure out when that new release is coming out. Um, I'd say a fair amount of that time is talking through kind of build versus rebuild. You know, is it okay to use the existing code base or should we work on something fresh that's more stable? So a lot of these conversations are around kind of code cleanliness versus, hey, I got to get this feature out tomorrow. We're going to start hemorrhaging users. You know, whatever the difference between kind of stability and the build fast and break things mantra is, um, me as CEO and CTO, I kind of have the ability to make those decisions on the fly because uh, I just check with myself to see <laughs> you know, what the more important um, kind of long-term strategy is going to look like. Um, but then we're just testing the app, using it constantly. Um, you know, one of the nice things about our company is we use our own app every single day. And so I'm the one finding bugs and, you know, figuring out where some UX needs to be improved or what feature might be next because I'm my best user in this case. And I have one question about location, then we'll kind of go into big picture um, for, 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 for the company. So you mentioned that, you know, you, you don't, you didn't work at Stripe or Facebook and it, it's been a different path for you to kind of break into tech and get capital. What have been some things you've learned along the way of your path, you know, into, into tech? Cause like, you know, you've raised now, like you, you've raised some capital from some, from some great investors. You're getting out there in the Silicon Valley world. What have you learned um, on the journey so far of being an outsider kind of breaking in? Yeah, I mean, that's the other half of my day usually is fundraising, talking to VCs. Now, thankfully, we're in a moment where I actually get to focus on the product a little bit more now because we've raised 2.2 to date and we don't need to be raising more at the exact moment. So I get to go back to, I guess, what I'm, I'm probably good at. Um, but I've definitely gotten good at fundraising as well. You know, raising 2.2 million completely off the internet, having never met 90% of these investors in person, um, it, it takes a skill and you definitely get some um, takeaways from it. Um, one that I would certainly say, and I've actually started doing this for free, pitch at hey.com. If you want to send me your pitch deck, I'll give you feedback on it. Um, as well as if you even want to record a yak message to me with your pitch, I'll give you a bunch of feedback on that. So any startups that are listening to this, um, you can always yak me your pitch and I'll give you feedback on that. And part of that is takeaways from having done so many pitches to VCs. Um, and one of the main things that I think I've learned is to not use a pitch deck. Um, I've learned that just talking to someone, talking about the product, um, one of the biggest things that I've seen is that unless you are building something insanely technical, that your IP is in some engineering data sheet or algorithm that you've developed, the investors are going to invest in the team. And that means being able to communicate what you're building and why you're the right team to build it and what your unfair advantage is and why you are the one to conquer this space that's going to be the most important part about that pitch. And so instead of showing somebody a slide deck, I typically just talk to them, tell them about my background, why we're going to dominate in the space. I'll do a screen share and show them the product itself. Um, and that's really converted so much more than going over a slide by side, click, click, click slide deck. Um, you know, that's typically what I've done is a nice hack is I actually put our slide deck in a Google slide. I put it at a short URL. So we have like a yak.media slash, you know, my deck that I can, send out to anybody so that when I'm on a call, a lot of times I'll hear, hey, do you guys have a deck that I could look at? 
instead of pulling it up on a screen share and going through it, I say, yep, just type this into your browser. They'll pull up the deck on their end and they kind of click through it as I'm talking. And I follow a similar format to the deck as well. So they can almost follow along at a normal pace. And that way they have something they can drop into a Slack and share with other people at the firm. They can you know, syndicate it out to a bunch of other investors that maybe they think are interested. And it kind of does its own thing in a virality approach. But I've done my job of being a good salesman on the phone by actually talking to them like a human. And the same thing applies to emails, right? Instead of getting really pitchy in an email, I typically just talk to them as humans. Hey, dude, I'd love for you to take a look at the product. You know, let me know what you think. Here, click this link and you can try it for yourself. And I've definitely found that that converts a lot more than trying to pitch them on the product, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's, it's refreshing to hear. Um, and it works. It's what you're talking about works so well. And you don't hear that, though, when you, 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 when you hear, listen to VC, though, this is how we, you know, what works and what is says what what's what's told that works is kind of like sometimes different. Um, mm -hmm. So for for you, um, obviously you've raised some capital. You're spending your time building an awesome company. You obviously have a vision, or else you wouldn't have been doing any of this. So my 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 second and last question for you is: if you were to look out, you know, you maybe you raise more money, maybe not, but you look out five ten years. Um, what do you see for Yak? Or I guess in other words, what is the big vision and what direction are you rowing in? Yeah, you know, we've got two things. Um, when investors ask me this question, I typically say, uh, as you know, teams become more and more global, the synchronous real-time processes that they have, they just start to stop working. As soon as you have somebody in Ireland and someone in Australia and someone in the US, uh, that Zoom meeting that you're supposed to have every day at 10 a.m., it doesn't work anymore because it's midnight for one of those guys. And that process is just starts to fall apart because you've relied so much on this like in office system. Uh, so, you know, we really view ourselves as we're the Zoom for a fully global workforce, a fully asynchronous process, right? So as more teams have to rely on async processes, we don't want them to fall back to things like chat and email and lose things like rich voice communication. So we really do view ourselves as kind of Zoom for the global workforce. Um, the new kind of goal that we've kind of set our eyes on is the phone number 3.0 right you know we've had attempts at this with things like skype or whatsapp um but what ends up happening is that ends up just being a massive source of noise you probably end up falling back to something like uh, a text communication and it's not really a professional network as well right i have my wife inside of my whatsapp i don't necessarily want to talk about work inside of whatsapp as well and so yak has become this thing that i can just give out and i can use it when i want to use it and i can answer when i'm available and i can record when i'm available versus something that is constantly notifying me throughout the day and so it's become this new way of me just putting a yak url in my twitter profile or in my email signature if you want to get a hold of me Here's how you get a hold of me. It's going to be rich, high bandwidth communication. Neither of us have to schedule anything to make it happen. And, you know, that first impression obviously leads to a good experience in a team. And that's really where we see Yak today is that this is going to be the new way that you communicate professionally in your team, outside of your team, but kind of inside of your business network. And to make that happen, you know, you'll need some help, right? Like you'll need customers and users. You, you'll need employees, maybe more investors if you want more investors. And luckily, we have all those potential people here listening, you know, in the podcast audience. So for for the for you, what is an ask that you have for the for the forward thinking founders community? Are you hiring, fundraising, partnerships, trying to get the word out? How can the community help? 
Yeah, you know, we started it as a design agency and um, our company's name was So Friendly. One of the things that we always wanted to, to say is that we wanted to make sure that the products that we designed were so friendly that our users fell in love with them. So our biggest ask could be, use the product, give me feedback on it. Um, I love feedback. A huge part about Yak's origin story has been this like iterative feedback loop, using the product, putting it in front of a team, getting feedback on it, putting it right back in front of them and saying, what about now? Uh, we have a reputation, especially with some of our power users of getting a feature request and then fulfilling it within a couple hours. Um, and so I love hearing from users saying, I really need this feature, or I love this and I wish it was surfaced more easily in the app, or I felt like this was confusing. Do you think you could tweak it? Because we'll make those changes within literal minutes to hours. So I love hearing feedback. So go download the app, yak.com. You can download for free, mobile, desktop. You can get your own profile URL. That's kind of the big thing right now is securing that at Justin, at Matt, whatever it is, those at usernames, because you do get a yak.com slash whatever your username is. You can hand out that out to everybody and start just talking on the app and talk to me, add me, yak.com slash jmitch. That's my username. Definitely feel free to connect with me on Yak. Um, I'd love to hear your feedback about the app, and that's probably my one big ask is just use it and, and tell us what you think. And if you're going to get yak, feel free to yak me to a yak Matt uh, slash Matt underscore Sherman. I, I, when I, um, I would have gotten Matt, but like back, you know, 10 years ago on Twitter, I like there, Matt was taken. So I got Matt underscore Sherman and that's been that for everything. Yeah, so, I used at J Mitch. I own the product and I don't even have like at J or at Justin just because <laughs> J Mitch is my username. So yep, that's, that's what right. I use everywhere. Cool. Well, thanks for building a really, really cool product and sharing it, um, sharing it with us on the podcast. I'm a huge fan of it and I'm looking forward to using it some more. So thank you again for coming on the podcast and best of luck making it happen. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much, man. All right. Thank you so much for listening to the episode of Forward Thinking Founders. If you're sitting there and you're just saying, Matt, I want more. How can I get more? Well, luckily you can get it at Forward Thinking City. Forward Thinking City is a community for the Forward Thinking Network, right? And we have multiple different aspects of the city. One, we have AMAs. Some of the previous guests that have been on the podcast, like Jonathan Barkle, Kristen Anderson, Austin Allred, come back and they do AMAs with the residents. You can ask them any question that you want, right? You can ask them about fundraising the early days, how they got their customers. We do these every single week with another, you know, really great founder that has been on the podcast. Additionally, um, we have our pitch battles, right? So if you want feedback on your pitch and the opportunity to potentially pitch in front of VCs and talk one-on-one -on -one with venture capitalists, this is where to do it. These are monthly pitch battles. So if you don't get in the first time, try again, right? The goal is to improve and get feedback to eventually one, raise, uh, get, get into the room with the VCs, two, raise capital, three, so you can get back to your company and building a great startup, building a great business. The last thing I'll mention is that if you are kind of interested in just community, we have our coffee hours and happy hours where you can meet other residents, learn about what they're working on, talk about social things, anything you want. This is a city for founders. It is for investors. It is for startup enthusiasts. It's for anyone that loves startups. So if you're interested in what I'm saying, Go to forwardthinking.city and join the city for $15 a month. Um, you know, the way, the reason I charge is because I want to be able to do this full time and bring as much value as I possibly can. And I think it's well worth the value. You can ask any of the current residents and they will attest to that. So go to forwardthinking.city, join the city, and you'll see immediately the, the next AMA, the next pitch battle, the next event. And I hope to see you there. Forwardthinking.city. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.